Welcome to Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. Do you sometimes feel alone in life with personal and interpersonal struggles and challenges? We'll show you that you are not alone and that you can learn and thrive from your challenges and thereby live a healthy life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Vadisha Patel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. As many of you already know, I'm a licensed mental health therapist working in Florida in the United States. In my practice, I come across a variety of challenges faced by children and families, and much of my work deals with everyday behavioral concerns, stress, and anxiety. However, I also come across individuals, both in my professional role and in my personal life, where they're dealing with a life-threatening illness. Personally, I have experienced individuals who I have lost and have been associated with cancer. And the individuals have not always had the easiest of journeys or outcomes. But today, I'll be speaking with a remarkable woman who has taken a diagnosis of cancer and responded with courage and conviction. I have known Kathy James for about 16 years from when our children first started in school together. I've worked alongside her and supported her in some of her efforts to advocate for children and families in our local school system. Her personal journey displays a level of courage and conviction that many of us may never have to experience. I wanted Kathy to join me to share her story with you so that you may all be inspired by her. Kathy is originally from Minnesota and is now a Minnesotan turned Floridian in her words. She's a registered pharmacist, a wife of over 28 years, a mother of four, a grandmother of one, an education and healthcare advocate, as well as a HER2 positive breast cancer survivor. Kathy believes that a positive perspective, ongoing awareness, kindness, and resiliency are the keys to a life well lived. I'm excited to have Kathy on Perspectives. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you so much. What a really nice introduction. I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, it doesn't even do full justice to you, but I am really excited to talk to you today because I do want our listeners to hear um, about your story and your life journey. And so I'd like to actually start um, because before all of this cancer came into your life, um, because you had a really full life before that. And I guess I'm wondering initially what caused you to move from Minnesota to Florida because that's a huge shift. <laughs> yes. Uh, my family, I was lucky enough to have a family who loved to travel and shared that inspiration for travel with me. And so at the age of 10, we came to Fort Myers Beach on a family vacation and I fell in love with the beach. So from a very young age, I knew that I was beach bound when I grew up. I was <laughs> never a lover of winter sports. So the beach called my name from a young age. So we've been wow. here for the last more than 23 years in Southwest Florida. Wow. And do you find it healing to be near the, the beach and the water, illness yes, aside? I, definitely. And, you know, uh, I would say from, for all the years that we've lived here, my husband and I have tried to go watch the sunset every night. And, and that's really... I guess, impactful and kind of what it's all about is just enjoying the here and now. 
That's incredible. That's 23 years of sunsets. That's um, and they yeah. are they are very ma- they are magical. I find myself as well every time I see a sunset. It it blows me away. It's just um it it's an amazing experience. Um, yes. You had told me that you are a registered pharmacist. Is was that the career you always envisioned for yourself from when you were young, or how did you end up no. going into pharmacy? That's actually a very funny uh, question and answer in that I felt growing up that I was kind of nicheless. I had no specific area of interest. I was kind of all over the place. I loved adventure and I loved a challenge. And so in undergrad, I studied over in Europe and it was there that I decided that if I was going to continue my love for travel, that I needed to have a career and a profession. And my dad happened to be a pharmacist. So I thought, huh. That looks good. I should try that. But I had no pre-medical classes, nothing. So I literally started from scratch when I went back from my European studies. And um, then just dug in and made it happen. And the minute I graduated from North Dakota State University with my pharmacy degree, I moved south to Florida. So you moved on your own then? I did. That's, that was a courageous move. <laughs> yes. I think both my parents thought that I was coming back, but I packed up my Mazda 626 and made a, a travel tape, cassette tape, and uh, put it in the cassette player and headed south. And I never went back. I, I love it here in Florida. And luckily, wow. and as fate would have it, I happened to meet my husband, um, his medical school and my pharmacy school were touring Eli Lilly Drug Company at the same time in Indianapolis. And the minute he said he was from Florida, I was hooked. I thought, this is, this is the man of my dreams. And he was. <laughs> That's a great story. That is a great story. So did you yeah. work as a pharmacist in Florida that before, having, before getting married and having a family? Yes, I was a pharmacist for seven years, uh, two of them before I got married, and then five of them after we were married, and we purposefully waited to have children because with my husband and his training and schooling, he was still in medical school. He had just graduated medical school the day before we got married, so we wanted a two-parent household, and um, so we waited purposefully until five years down the road. So yes, I had a great career in pharmacy and I absolutely loved it. I never thought that I wouldn't go back to it. Um, And interestingly, about three years ago, I started edging back into it uh, just prior to my cancer diagnosis. So um, kept up my, uh, my continuing education and I maintained my license and dabbled in things and certainly read a good share of medical journals to stay abreast of, of pharmacy. But um, for the sake of my family, I gave it up willingly just to, to be the mom that I always wanted to be. Well, that was actually going to be my next question because when you and I met, your oldest and my oldest were in second grade. And mm-hmm. um, and then you, you have four children. So... Yes. Family is obviously very important to you. And was that something you thought about years ago when you were growing up? Or is that something that evolved for you as time went on? Or 
how did that priority on family come about? I always loved children. It was the piece about the husband that I was never quite sure about. I um, (laughs) (laughs) never thought I would find somebody that it would last a lifetime. And um, luckily, that happened. And um, luckily, he had the same values and the same priority towards his own family as well as to the one that we created. And so, yes, we had four children in the span of nine years. And um, there is actually a 10-year span of my life from age 32 to 42 where... um, I was pregnant a good chunk, I would say, maybe eight or nine of those years. I did have three miscarriages among my four children. And curiously, that span of 10 years and my pregnancies might, I say might, uh, play a role in why I have breast cancer now. But we can get to that later. Yeah, that. That's actually an interesting thought. I didn't know about that connection. So, yes, I would definitely like to talk about that a little bit later. Um, I'm curious, as you were having your kids, obviously they're very important to you and you really have devoted your life to them. But did you ever have any thoughts when when they were young or when you were having them that if that was the right decision and if maybe you would have liked to go back to work, is that anything that even crossed your mind on the bad days it crossed my mind all the time on the frustrating (laughs) days where I felt like I just was a rotten mother no matter how hard I tried I was not doing the right thing um out of moments of frustration but I think every parent faces those same challenges maybe in different ways but has those same feelings of what am I doing am I doing the right thing but I had those feelings in my profession as well, where I just thought, oh, this is almost an insurmountable challenge. What am I doing? Um, But never seriously questioned. Sometimes I would miss being among the camaraderie that I had once had independently. And truthfully, in the very beginning, when I was first pregnant with my, my oldest, my husband and I considered having a nanny instead, and that way having both of us have our careers because we had worked a long time to get those careers established. And it wasn't something that I thought I would or could give up. But the minute I held my son, I fell in love and the rest is history. It's amazing how that happens. It's, um, I actually, Mm -hmm. I personally remember those same feelings of holding my son for the first time and thinking, this is it, I've arrived, this is what I've always wanted to do. Um, So tell me, though, about when you were working and you had those moments where where you said you were frustrated or you thought they were insurmountable challenges. We often don't hear about that side of things (laughs) from family-oriented. Well, I think for me, I I chose to work retail pharmacy as opposed to hospital pharmacy. And so for me, those challenges were that I was sort of the in-between person. I was giving um, customer care and wisdom and compassion to the customers. But then on the business side, the management and the corporation itself had expectations for me and job performance that sometimes I felt like there was a disconnect that they maybe didn't understand what it was like to perform the job as a pharmacist 
to to what would be the right capacity and in the right way to give that compassionate service and care and um, and time time constraints and um, just busy right and then and as a as a mother. What were some of those challenging moments when you questioned or got frustrated with your role in that capacity? I think as a, a parent, you always want the best for your child, whatever your perspective or your thoughts may be as to what's best for your child. But children don't come with a set of instructions, and each of my four is so unique and different that whatever I learned from a previous child wasn't necessarily applicable to the next child and the challenges that we overcame maybe with um, health issues or maybe with certain subjects in school or um, maybe social issues or an anxiety, um, they were all different. So I learned so much, but it was, it was when I was uninformed and wasn't aware of how to fix the problem and felt alone, those were the hardest times. And I think that's why I have such a priority now in, um, ironically, the name of your show, Perspectives. I think it's really important as a person, a human being, to find a perspective that's positive and to find that awareness to either with other people, with that connection, or with reading, um, not necessarily on the Internet, but... Um, real journals or real um, books with professional advice and answers and perspectives to help you make those decisions and choices in being a parent or in being a pharmacist. It's the same. You need to educate yourself with answers before moving forward. So important. I would agree. And I love that comment about the children not coming with an instruction booklet. I've told my kids that and I've told clients that constantly that we come to this world as parents and we're, we have children come into our lives, but nobody gives us a book on how to raise that particular child. There are lots of books out there. There's lots of information out there, but we have to start to distill the information out there to tailor it for not even our particular situation, but each individual child's particular situation. Um, and I think that's yeah. also where probably community came in. And um, so, yes, you're alone in one respect, but I know you had a support system of other parents around you who you could consult and talk with as well and hopefully share some of that. Um, and I imagine there's I personally know there's a lot of value in it, and I'm assuming that you also felt that support from the community um, in raising your children as well. Definitely, and they became lifelong friends and friends that I still go to for advice or wisdom, even though 50% of my children are fully grown Um I still, and, and their children are fully grown, I still go back to them and say, what do you think about this, just to get their perspective. Right, because even as children grow, you know, I think we we start to learn how to manage a particular situation, and then the children grow into the next phase of their lives, mm-hmm. and we grow into the next phase of our lives, so it's 
constant moving parts and reassessing where we are and and how we're how we're going to approach the next next challenge that comes across and so actually we're going to go to a commercial break now but when we come back we're going to talk about one of the biggest challenges that has come across your life so please stay tuned we're talking to Kathy James about her perspective on life and if you have any questions you can email me Dr. Vidisha Patel at drvforkids at yahoo.com and we will be right back what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Dr. Vadisha Patel is a licensed mental health counselor working at Peace of Heart LLC in Sarasota, Florida. Peace of Heart offers individual counseling with children and adults, as well as programs in stress reduction. Dr. Patel utilizes a relationship-based approach to treatment. She is currently accepting new patients. To find out more, visit peaceofheartllc.com or in Florida, call 941-539-1727. Again, that's peaceofheartllc.com or call 941-539-1727. Peace of Heart LLC, managing emotions for a healthier lifestyle. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. 
Welcome back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I'm in conversation with Kathy James, wife, mother, professional, and cancer survivor. So, Kathy, in this segment, I want to talk about one of the one of life's challenges that not all of us face, but certainly you have you have faced, and this is. Um, your experience with cancer, and um, I'm hoping that you will share as much as you're willing to share about how it came to be and how you found out um, and what that felt like. Sure. I'm happy to share it because there are others out there listening right now, and statistically, one in eight women will be impacted by breast cancer in their lifetime. So just statistically, it's so important for women to hear this segment because I never thought it would happen to me. I had no risk factors. I had no symptoms. The only um, tangible cancer awareness I had, ironically, Vadisha, was when you and I uh, went with our school for a Relay for Life function and uh-huh. uh, we formed our own fundraising group and walked the track together. But when they asked people to raise their hands if they had breast cancer or a family member or a friend had breast cancer at that time years ago, I didn't raise my hand. Wow. So, so nobody, yes. no women in your family have had breast cancer or hadn't until that time? Correct. My, well, my mother-in-law, my husband's mom, had breast cancer uh, in the year 2000. She's still alive and very well right now, thankfully. But, yeah, she was the only one. But, you know, bloodline-wise, there was nothing there. So it really caught me off guard. And uh, segueing from our first segment about importance of the family, I found my cancer after having spent a week up in Minnesota with my parents. My father had advanced dementia. And uh-huh. I went up to help my mother and try and find some answers to questions that we really, as a family, didn't have as to the best care for my father. And so I spent a week up there helping my mother and, <clears throat> excuse me, came home and uh, laid down in bed that night after flying home and thought, oh my goodness, that was a stressful week trying to do what was right for my parents. And then I thought, oh gosh, I need to do a self-breast exam because I had regularly done them. But normally, historically, I would do them, say, in the shower or standing up. At this point, I was laying down Uh and I was very thorough because I was thinking about the stress that I had just undergone. And, you know, they always say, you know, try and get rid of the stress in your life. It's just part of the healthy lifestyle. And ironically, I happened to feel a lump. And it was probably the size of a pea in my left Uh breast. I asked my husband to feel for himself what on earth that could possibly be. And he was somewhat concerned, but because there was no family history and because it was just so far off our radar, it was just one of those, yeah, you should call your GYN and, and... have a mammogram, which I did the following Monday, and uh-huh. from there, it's kind of eerily textbook. On Monday, I made the appointment. They told me they didn't have availability for a couple of weeks, and I 
said to them that I would go to either of their offices and sit in the waiting room for a cancellation. That was just fine by me, but that this was a high priority and I was concerned and they were kind enough to accommodate me. So I went in for a mammogram and ultrasound on Tuesday and the radiologist came in. My husband went with me, thankfully, and the radiologist came in and he had his hands in his pockets and he was looking down and he said, it doesn't look good. And I remember my husband saying, what do you mean it doesn't look good? And he referred me to uh, another physician to get a biopsy, which I had on Wednesday. And that physician said the exact same thing. It doesn't look good. He sent the, uh, the samples, the biopsy, to a pathologist who read them the next day on Thursday, which just happened to be our 26th wedding anniversary. And it was that day that we got the diagnosis that I had metastatic breast cancer. And that's then on amazing. Friday, that, that's in yeah, four days your life turned around. Completely. And on Friday, I went to see an oncologist. And this is a huge piece of wisdom for anyone out there that may become impacted by this disease and really any disease. I had brought a friend who uh, had her master's in nursing, so she was very knowledgeable from the medical standpoint. I brought her with me to the appointment because the questions I had may not be the same that she would know, and we both took notes. And then I had her come home with me Friday night and have dinner with my family and explain to my family all that we had heard and learned throughout the week through her eyes and through what the oncologist had said. And that way, my children's questions were answered. My husband was there. We could talk about it as a family from a pragmatic standpoint, an emotional standpoint. And um, that way, it wasn't just me feeling overwhelmed and kind of feeling like I was drowning. You know, you you make a very valuable point of for any listener who's out there, for anybody who goes to the doctor about any concern, it's always helpful to have at least a family member there at a minimum. And if you have somebody who is knowledgeable in the medical field, even better for precisely what you said, because I think as a patient, you don't. All, you don't hear everything the doctor's saying because you're having your emotional right. responses too at the same time. And while your friend or family member might also be having an emotional response, theirs will be slightly different. So each one of you will hear something different. Um, yes. So that's that's very valuable advice for everyone out there. Um I like the way that you presented it to your whole family and allowed for that discussion. How old were your children when all this happened? At the time, um, my son was 21 and off at college. My daughter was turning 18 the following week and graduating three days after that. Uh, My third child was 15 and my youngest 12. So I felt like, holy cow, this can't happen. I have a 12-year-old. This, this can't be. Um, right. but, but it was. And um, it, was, it was a diagnosis of uh, HER2-positive breast cancers, which I didn't even know there were different types of breast cancer at that time. 
I just thought breast cancer is breast cancer. But as it and turns what out, is what is her two? Can you describe? Tell us a little bit about that. Certainly, her two. The H E R is an acronym that stands for Human Epidermal Growth Factor Receptor Two. So it's much easier to call it her two. And about twenty percent, roughly, of breast cancer patients have her two positive breast cancer. Seventy percent, or thereabouts, give or take, have. Uh, hormone-positive breast cancer. So together, they make up 90% of breast cancers. The other about 7 to 10% of the breast cancers out there are what they call triple negative, and that's because they're neither hormone-positive nor HER2-positive. And the hormone-positive is subdivided into estrogen-positive and progesterone-positive. And of that, you can have a variation. You could be estrogen-positive and progesterone-negative, you can have both positive. So there are many different types of breast cancer. And they have different levels of aggression, correct? I think, is yes. it the HER2 very aggressive? Is that, was that the concern That's there? That's correct. Yes. Uh, the, the triple negative is, of the three, the one that has no known yet, as yet, put an asterisk there because I'm hoping that they're making great progress towards it. But it's kind of, it wasn't the other two, so it just kind of goes in its own category. But that one, they don't have a specific agent for that as far as treatment goes. Her two, then, would be the next one that is aggressive. It recurs. It likes to recur in the brain and the liver. Uh, The five-year prognosis for me personally, although I'm not a fan of statistics and numbers from the standpoint of it impacting my perspective, but what I was told, what I was told initially was much lower. I was told a five-year, five-year survival of 20 to 30%. Okay. And so at that time, I thought, my goodness, I have about, what, six months and, um, People were giving me books, and I had such a great outpouring of love and support from friends, and and this kind of caught us all by surprise. And, of course, people, nobody knows, including me, how to react to what you're given in this sort of a circumstance. And, um, And I remember thinking, though, when I would receive books and things, I just don't have time to read these right now. I need to live my life with my family. I need to enjoy my friends and um, just move forward one day at a time. Um, But by the same token, I also want to emphasize um, what some might consider, and I refuse to consider it this, but a death sentence, it actually ironically has been more of a life sentence because it has given me such a a perspective that I would never in a million years have chosen to see or have under any other circumstances, but it's made me get rid of all the things in my life that weren't happy or positive or impactful, and I've chosen to keep the friends who inspire and and motivate and add something to my world, and all the ones that didn't, I had to let go, And, and it really felt very empowering, and it really has created a really happy life for me. And I thought I was perfectly happy before the diagnosis, right. but I'm, I dare say I'm happier 
now. And I never asked why me. I always asked why not me. I would much rather it be me than my children or my parents or anyone else. I felt like I had the family support, the friends support, and the emotional uh, strength to endure whatever life threw at me. I just felt sad because I still had young children. And that was the part, probably of all of it, that I really felt like, no, 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 I can't. I can't be a statistic in the five-year realm. Right. Well, and the power of, I won't say the power of suggestion, but the power of conviction that you're determined to do everything you can and to live your life a certain way and be there for your children. I think that plays a large role in how and in what your outcomes will be. Um because I think I that attitude, so. that positive attitude does make a huge difference. Um, I'm curious about your children and how, at their different ages, how they responded to all this, how they reacted to you and to the situation, because that's quite a span of years. <laughs> yes. Well, when we came home for dinner that Friday night after seeing the oncologist, my 18-year-old daughter researched the financial impact of cancer. My (laughs) middle daughter researched the types of cancer and my youngest daughter researched um, the uh, time or the um, survival rates. And they may listen to this at a future time and say I have them mixed up and I very well may but I do remember distinctly they each researched one component of breast cancer that would be impactful to us and to them and and I learned through all three of them and it brought me a lot of laughter and joy in that they were just as invested in this as I was and how are we going to make this work and be a positive as opposed to a tragedy or Um, because really as a parent, I'm a role model for them and how I approach this is what they learn from either to do or to not to do in their own lives. And because they're so young or we're so young, still are, they are going to learn from this hopefully as a positive that when life throws you a curve that you don't just wither and shrink and say, oh no, this is horrible. You say, no, I'm going to create awareness for others because I had none, and I'm going to make this something to engage others and maybe even create a solution to the problem. That's a great, positive, strong reaction from all your children, and I will say that all three of them are girls. Um, Was there... Was there an emotional reaction initially, or was it shock? And we only have a few seconds before we'll go to a commercial break, but if you can tell me really quickly, and then we'll come back to it after the break. Certainly. Yeah, I think shock and sadness, and I will include my son, the oldest, who was away at college. He was shocked and sad as well, Um, but it brought us closer together as a family. We leaned in, so to speak. 
That's wonderful. So we're going to come back to this in just a minute. We're going to head for a short commercial break. So please don't go away. We'll be right back to talk some more about living positively with cancer and how it can change your perspective on just about everything. So we'll be right back to Perspectives. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Dr. Vadisha Patel is a licensed mental health counselor working at Peace of Heart LLC in Sarasota, Florida. Peace of Heart offers individual counseling with children and adults, as well as programs in stress reduction. Dr. Patel utilizes a relationship-based approach to treatment. She is currently accepting new patients. To find out more, visit peaceofheartllc.com or in Florida, call 941-539-1727. Again, that's peaceofheartllc.com or call 941-539-1727. Peace of Heart LLC, managing emotions for a healthier lifestyle. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. 
Welcome back to the last segment of our show today. You're listening to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Please feel free to get in touch with me via email at drvforkids at yahoo.com or go to my website at www.peaceofheartllc.com. I'd love to hear any questions or comments you have. I'm here with Kathy James, a remarkable woman with a remarkable spirit. And Kathy, I just want to go back to these responses from your children and how you really came together. I find it just so touching because I have had lots of relatives that um, have been close to me that um, have not had a successful an outcome from cancer and the responses at different ages and different relationships um, intrigues me and I'm just very impressed by how your family has managed this um what do you do you have any explanation for how you were able to all of you were able to rally around this in such a positive way all i can say is uh family has always been so important so we touched on that in the first two segments and it's appropriate to include that in this third segment in that when this happened uh, another physician who's an oncologist approached my husband and I and told my husband of a job opening that was out of his original specialty area of, area of expertise, but he felt like it would be a great match for my husband, but it would be almost a semi-retirement, and it would allow my husband to spend more time with family and with me. And uh-huh. my husband didn't bat an eyelash about it. And we talked about it as a family and we researched and interviewed and uh, looked at this as a new option. And Uh all of our children were on board with it. And uh, we discussed uh, financial impact. We discussed time impact and what would this mean to our family and a shift. And everybody was on board with it. And that really kind of was the, mm, I want to say, turning point for all of us from the standpoint of our life just completely changed. Not only me as the mom, but my husband as the dad and the captain of the ship, so to speak. We, we all took the turn together. And um, I think there are times when emotion takes over, which is only natural. There there are tidal waves of depression that could hit. I don't want in any way for this to come across like I sailed through this remarkably. It's just normal. But I will say I, I jog two miles every day or try and have some sort of cardio workout within almost every day. I try and eat nutritious foods, and that ripple impact has gone on to my children, to my husband. And so the changes that we've made because of this cancer have been nothing but positive. They're they're challenging sometimes, but we keep looking for a bigger picture of less social media, less cell phone use, less um, television, and more together time. So we live every day to the fullest. We really try to um, focus on 
what matters to each of us. And, and it's different for each of the children. And of course, it's different from my husband and me. But at the end of the day, there's still that sunset. Exactly. And that's, that's beautiful that you can acknowledge the needs of each of the children who are all at different stages of their lives, as well as yours. And yet you can all come together as a family and still have that time respecting each other for their needs, but then respecting the needs of the family as a whole. Um, You mentioned the tidal waves of depression, possibly. What does that look like and how do you get through that? And is it just you or is it also maybe your children or your husband? Yeah, that's a great question. For me personally, I can say it comes out of nowhere. We went to a family wedding a week and a half ago, and I stood there at the wedding thinking, oh my gosh, I may not live to see any of my children get married. And it just, it never hit me prior to that. So, you know, there are little triggers everywhere if you choose to acknowledge them. And for me personally, it was a, a blow, but I had to work through it and think, that's not guaranteed, and I can choose as far as doing everything I possibly can. And the flip side to that is we all could get hit by that proverbial Mack truck when we right. stop listening to this program and do the next thing. So none of us knows, really. We all kind of have this statistical analysis in our brain of, oh, that can't happen to me. I mean, I fell prey to that myself. But the reality is, you never know. So why not live every day to its fullest and get rid of all the nonsense and focus on what's important to you, what's important to your family? Well, exactly. And I actually had a similar conversation with a relative who has been battling a um, terminal illness saying precisely the same thing that, yes, I know you believe that your life might end before all of ours, but in reality, any of our lives could end. So Mm -hmm. it's how we all choose to live these moments that we are alive and well and here. (laughs) Um, Yes. And I, I think the healthiest thing to do is face that fear or face that sadness or depression head on and acknowledge it and experience it and then put it away so that it doesn't keep repeating itself that, you know, been there, done that. I've, you know, lived through it and I've survived it and I'm moving on. So that works because you can talk to your kids and you can talk to your husband and you're obviously very open about your feelings. What would you say to somebody who might not be um, traditionally that open about their feelings with their families? Do you think that the diagnosis of the cancer and the experience of it made you more open or or do you think it was just the way you were before? Mm, I think I have always tried to be honest and feisty and now I'm probably brutally honest and feistier <laughs> so yes. because I think if, if the role was reversed and if it was my parent saying to me a prognosis that's been given to them I would want to know so that I could prepare or begin to prepare or have the perspective that they have 
Um, I know that some people choose to not share that because they feel like they're protecting somebody and they don't want them to experience that pain. But I just read a phenomenal book, um, and I'm going to probably butcher his name. I think it's Atul Gawande, Being Mortal is the name of the book. And it's how we as a, a human race put off the decisions and put off sharing how we feel about end of life. And oftentimes, like in my father's case with his advanced dementia, he really never discussed what his wishes were. Well, for me, whether I get hit by the Mack truck or I don't, I want quality of life over quantity of life. And I've made that known to everyone. So I think we need to have more conversations because oftentimes physicians, they do their job. Their job is to try and make your life better or try and make you live longer. But living longer doesn't necessarily mean that it's a quality of life. Right. So, and it's and important else, for the individual, I think, to state their preference because there are some people yes. that are might have fears and want the the length of life the instead of necessarily the quality perhaps Correct. and also people's intentions and choices may shift um and so having being open yes. and having those conversations i think is important um how do you think this has changed your view on parenting and how you parent or has it Oh, it definitely has changed because I feel like I want to have all those conversations that I might not otherwise be able to have with my children. So my, they will hear me say things repeatedly, the same important little pearl of wisdom, like communication is so important or mm-hmm. worrying is wasted energy because I want them to remember those very important pieces of wisdom that I've learned in my life. And I want that to be lasting in theirs or don't ever settle in love. Good enough is not good enough. Things like right. that. So I, I am there for all of their functions that I possibly can be. I'm there to support them as their number one fan, but I'm also there to hold tough and not give in because it's easy to do. I'm right. there to be that tough love parent if that's my uh, choice. Is it hard to be a tough love parent knowing that you have this this cancer diagnosis or does it? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. because, because, (laughs) Because I've learned, I guess because I have the range of children that I have, that tough love is tough, but it's also the right thing to do if you really believe in your heart that it's the right thing to do. I think uh, by, by giving in or being complacent, it doesn't do them any favors. And, and you have to hold true to who you are. So that's, that's just me. And, and that's, that's the way I am as a mom. And that's great parenting advice in general. I think it's important for all of us as parents to stay true to who we are. um, Because as we've just said, we never know how long we're going to be there and be available um, to our children. So, you know, 
do the best you can and do it with it from your authentic self is probably what I would say. Um, yes. What are your priorities in your life now? I feel like I was given this challenge for a reason, or at least uh-huh. I like to feel like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and for that, priorities besides my family are just to create the awareness and to create the positive perspective and create um, maybe the inspiration of resiliency and kindness in others so that they'll know that it is possible and it is, it's, I don't know, it's a, oh, I'm not coming up with the right words, I'm sorry, it's something that I just feel like the, the odds of this all happening to me just seem so crazy, but yet here I am, that it's my job, I feel, and my role to to create that awareness and to spread that word to people that there are resources out there, keep asking the questions, keep fighting for answers. We are on the cusp of great things in breast cancer research. There are clinical trials out there for people that they may not be aware of. There are resources. So people just need to be aware of those and seek them out. Get a second, third, fourth opinion. And I want to say at this time that there was an article written in Time magazine that you you were featured in with um, an immunotherapy, a clinical trial. Is and can you just say a little bit about that? We have a couple of minutes left, so. Yes, certainly. In the October 2018 Time magazine, I was featured, and some of that is me going uh, to Moffitt Cancer Center. I want to shout out to my amazing medical team there. Uh, Dr. Brian Zanicki is doing, he's the head of uh, breast cancer research at that institution, and he and his uh, clinical coordinator, director, Jesse Hevia, uh, have been wonderful. But when I was given this diagnosis for, of HER2 positive breast cancer, I dove into uh, researching what, what next, because when I um, had my surgery in the lumpectomy, they discovered that I still had uh, breast cancer still within my lymph nodes, and uh-huh. so I was not what they call a complete responder. And since this is an aggressive cancer and likes to come back, I needed something after the chemotherapy and radiation and surgery were done. So I looked into clinical trials and Moffitt happened to have some. So I found one. I'm currently in one. Uh, I'll have, uh, it'll be completed uh, in another year and a half. Um, But uh, there's a great website, www.clinicaltrials.gov. That's a great resource. You just plug in the parameters of your disease. But back to the Time Magazine article, I kept saying to Dr. Zernicki, you know, we need to make people aware of this. There have been great leaps and bounds made in progress since the mid-1990s, specifically for her two positive agents. There are currently five agents out there for specifically her two positive breast cancer. So, um, uh, Kathy... I'm, I'm yes. going to have to, we're going to have to go and I'm really sorry, but that's, 
that website's really important. The Time Magazine articles were important. There's also an insider's guide to metastatic breast cancer, which has some wonderful resources. Um, I wish you all the best, and I thank you so much for joining us today on Perspectives, and I thank all my listeners. Um, This is Dr. Vidisha Patel, your host, and I look forward to being back with you next week for another edition of Perspectives. So feel free to email me at drvforkids at yahoo.com and let me know if you have any questions or comments. Have a wonderful week. Until next time. Thank you for listening to our program this week. Another edition of Perspectives with Dr. Vidisha Patel can be heard next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, have a lovely week.